Good morning, everyone, and we welcome you to our Saturday morning Bible study on Revelation. We are recording today from the North Star Cottage, and we have Thomas here from the Big Apple visiting us, so that's great, and we're so grateful you all could join us today. We welcome you all. Right down. Oh, thank you for that, and welcome, everybody. And the uh, man from the Big Apple was going to read about <laughs> flowers. Mirrors of the monarch, whence the dewdrop is born. Soft tints of the rainbow in skies. Sisters of song, what a shadowy throng. Around you in memory rise. Far do ye flee from your green bowers free. Fair floral apostles of love, sweetly to shed fragrance fresh round the dead, and breath of the living above, flowers for the brave, be he monarch or slave, whose heart boards grief and is still, flowers for the kind, aye, the Christians who wind wreaths for the triumphs or ill. This was... Uh, Written in Pleasant View, Concord, New Hampshire, May 21st, 1904. It's uh, from the Book of Poems, published in 1910, by Mary Baker Eddy, page 25. Hmm. Thank you. I like that mirrors of the monarch that were reflecting God. Flowers reflect God. So yeah, thank you. Well, Carrie from California contributed this um, from a Christian Science Journal from 1904. She said this article was published a month after Mrs. Eddy's poem, Flowers, appeared in the journal. And this is a quote, and it's by W. Um, when the crude forms of human thought take on higher symbols and significations, the scientific, scientifically Christian views of the universe will appear, illuminating time with the glory of eternity. In the very terms of form and color and sweetness, nature is speaking these sunny days of a glorified though unseen presence. Bushes and trees are burning with a fragrant flame. And to the spiritually responsive, they bring a ministry which is akin to that of a mother's bedside prayer or a loving child's dear face. To behold their radiance is to acquire something of her loftier sense, who wrote, Alone with thee amid the seeming shadows, the solemn hush of being newly born, alone with thee in breathless adoration, in the calm dew and freshness of the morn. That's from a hymn. Buds and blossomings thus disclose to the pure in heart the helpful nearness of him whose beauty and truth break upon our vision through suggestion and symbol. Despite the lingering limitations of passing material sense and in such hearts, there springs up a gladdening assurance of an element of kinship to God and to his world. Beautiful. Yeah. Very beautiful. And 
Well, I know that's how Mrs. Eddie felt. And we all feel a kinship with the beauty of nature. I was just thinking about flowers. Of course, I've been admiring them and enjoying them all my life. But despite all the things that I might go through, you know, things come up, get wound up, get excited about this. I look at a flower and there it is, calm and poised. Yeah. And it is looking upward. Thank you. Very reassuring. Well, one thing I liked about this, it, it made me think of the early Christian science workers and how grateful we are for them. And what a wonderful treasure they have left us, the early Christian science workers. And so I'm just reading this poem, Flowers, the kind of man like, don't forget them. We're very grateful for all the work that they did, all the tribulation they went through. And we're reaping the benefit of their good work. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Very, very true. The Christians who wind wreaths for the triumphs over ill. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Sir? Okay. Well, I do want to say one reason I like having this in there for today's uh, Bible study is we uh, are going to go through um, in today's Bible study a lot of plagues. <laughs> and so, you know, here's something we talked about, the beauty of nature and remembering the early Christian science workers, right? And um, so while it may seem that there are plagues all over the place, this poem is to remind us, the one written by Mary Baker Eddy, that there's still beauty. Beauty's there. It's always been there. Right. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Very, very true as we go through this <laughs> plague. Plagues. So thank you. Yes. Very beautiful. So it, it may sound like it's incongruous, like the topic, because we're talking about plagues and the destruction of Babylon. But the topic is rejoice. And we should find out in the discussion why we are rejoicing. Plagues? What plagues? <laughs> <laughs> what me worry? <laughs> so actually, in remembrance of one of the early Christian science workers, um, Bruce was going to talk about what mm -hmm. work he's been doing. <laughs> what work I've been doing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. What, what work is done? All right. So we're talking about recording the healer the healing works of mary baker ready which is compiled and arranged by david keiston and composed a lot of the text that's in there and this is in the context of you know all these plagues that get poured on the earth but the purpose of it all is just to expose evil and no matter how resistant it is it is part of the healing process and that healing comes of it and I ran across this one healing that's in this book that I've been recording, and I thought, hey, this fits what we're doing. And here it is. A child was brought to Mrs. Eddy with a cataract on each eye, blind. Mrs. Eddy began to talk to the girl of God, truth, and love. 
when the child, animated by error, stamped her foot and said, I hate you, I hate you, I could sit up all night to hate you. Mrs. Eddy replied, my darling, I love you, I love you. Why, I could sit up all night to love you. And at once, the cataracts fell out of the child, and the child saw. Thank you. The flood tides of love that heal. And, uh, mm -hmm. Good for present day. Now you're going to tell us about the Kratzer book. Now I'm going to talk about the Kratzer book. Okay. <laughs> well, as you know, our church has produced and sold this Kratzer book called Revelation Interpreted. <clears throat> and obviously, Mr. Kratzer is the author of this book. And uh, quite some time ago, it was written. And someone from our church who's no longer with us actually found out that this book existed, which is something we didn't even know before. And apparently the Union Theological Seminary had had it, but it was no longer even available in printed form. The physical book didn't even exist there. But it did exist from electronic images that they had made. And this person found out about it, extracted these electronic images of the picture of this book, and was able to produce this book, print it, and our church had it for sale. Thank you. Yeah, we kind of ended without being able to talk about that last time. And it's very important that that book had been, again, taken so no one could read it. And there's so much good things in there. Kratzer was a wonderful worker and writer. So thank goodness this person found out about it and, and printed it and, and we sell it. Yes, we sell it. So yeah. that's where that book came from. Yeah. Thank, thank you. And to think it got that close to just simply disappearing, disappearing off the face of the earth. Abs disappearing off the face of the earth, yes. Well, it's one more example of how God is working to make sure that nothing worthwhile is lost. You know, I mean, I'm sure that there are other uh, examples throughout history. I mean, look at the books of the Bible. You know, there were attempts to lose them too, to, or to get rid of them, yeah. but God wouldn't allow it. Yeah. And people persevered and many people lost their earthly lives to preserve the books of the Bible mm -hmm. and to translate, and them translate them so that people could read them. That's why what we're called upon to do is a small compared to what has gone before us. That's, and I think it's Thomas's point as well. Yeah. You know, his point about the early workers definitely applies to Mr. Kratzer because he was excommunicated. And uh, I got to believe that it was envy and jealousy that prompted that. But only because of what he produced was so good. We have another book, Dominion Within. And if you don't mind me telling just a really short story, that was the one that really lit me on fire because it was so simple. You know, if you want to give me a complex under, uh, explanation of something, I'm sorry, I just don't get it. But if it's simple and clear, I got it. And that's what this book did for me. So that's why it has a very special place in my heart. Kratzer was a very independent worker and thinker. <clears throat> and that, that was the problem, too. Yeah, so, thank you for saying that, because 
so many people, and we have talked about this lots of times and uh, round tables and so forth, but um, because we have the word science with Christian science, people feel then to be a scientist, you need to be very intellectual and talk about things in a way that's very convoluted and mystifying. Not As so. if you're a smart scientist. <laughs> Not so. Not so. Not exactly. It just means it's provable and reproducible. That's all. Yeah. Just that he says a child understands it. Well, a child okay. should understand it. Yeah, the intellectual aspect is nothing more than ego gone out of control. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So, um, Revelation. <laughs> before we jump into that, I want to give a recap. Um, this comes from Tomlinson on the seven steps of the metaphysical analysis of the Revelation. So, this is kind of what we've been going through visions one through seven. So vision one, this all comes from Thomason. You can look it up. Vision one, the statement of the truth of being. Vision two, the denial of error and the affirmation of truth. Vision three, demonstrating the nothingness of matter and the allness of spirit. Vision four, the first three steps, which I just went through. Prepare thought to receive the revelation of Christian science. Vision five, which is what we're going through today, resistance to the revelation of Christian science. Vision six, resistance vanishes with the demonstration of Christian science. Vision seven, the demonstrations of Christian science make the truth of being Manifest in consciousness. So I'm just trying to give a perspective of what we're going through on these visions, and I kind of like what Tomlinson put together for us on that. So, mm -hmm. uh, Thank you. Uh, did you have something, or should we start in the question for Vision Five? Let's start right in. Okay, so we'll start right in um, with our uh, question: um, What is the lesson found in Vision Five? Um, and below that, you can read that there um, uh, um, the different sections of Vision Five are listed on, on our questions, right? So, <laughs> gotta take a look at that. So, what are we learning from Vision Five? The seven angels carrying the seven plagues. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> So I think of the seven angels as the seven synonyms of God, principle, spirit, mind, soul, life, truth, and love. And they don't carry plagues, but they do destroy error. Principle destroys lawlessness. Mind destroys every false belief. Spirit destroys the belief in the reality of matter. Love destroys hate. Life destroys the belief in death, and so on. And the resistance to this destruction of error looks like plagues to us. It looks like it. And a lot of 
people think of it that way. But it's the destruction of error. And that's all error can do is destroy itself. But yeah, and, and I do. Tomlinson is very good because he keeps it all very clear. <laughs> I, I love what he set up in the beginning before he got to all the seven um, resistances to science. Um, he said that spiritual sense discerns that the plagues of sense are overcome, one, through spiritual reflection by the symbol of the sea of glass mingled with fire, two, by acknowledging the allness and all power of truth, the symbol, the song of Moses, three, through love for and the demonstrations of truth, the symbol being the song of the Lamb, and four, through the healing work of divine love in Christian science, the symbol, the tabernacle of the testimony, opened in heaven. Thank you, yes. In a book called Invading Babylon, it's by Lance Wall now and a Bill Johnson, he brings out, he talks about the seven mountains um, and what they are. Um, he lists them as, in this case, I mean, Gary said the synonyms, but this is another um, church, family, education, government and law, media, television, radio, newspaper, internet, arts, entertainment, sports, and then seven is commerce, science, and technology. And he brings out that um, the Babylonish woman, uh, corruption, tries to get into all of these things. Uh, and it certainly has, hasn't it? I find, I find some of this comforting because it explains in many ways what's, what the heck is going on, which is, to me, unexplainable that we would even be having some of the discussions that we are having about education, about entertainment, about these things, uh, about church, all of these things. Um, but that is the intent of error. We call it, in, in this case, you know, she was riding a beast. On the beast is, is uh, the, these things that she was trying to do to corrupt society. And so we as, as Christians and as Christian scientists have to do the work to neutralize and nullify all of this that's going on now. But it does explain what's going on. To me, it does. And, and it was prophesied in Revelation that it would go on and it will continue to go on until uh, these areas that have gotten corrupt will, will destroy themselves. The systems will fail. Now, um, I know some of you who've studied a lot of this have said, one in particular, Judy in Maine, she's talked about, she said, and it's so true, all of this has gone on for a very long time. It's not like it's just happening right now. It's been going on. Um, what's good about right now is that it is being exposed uh, in the book that was recommended by Kratzer called The Beast, which I mentioned last week. He, he talks about, it's, it's a book by this judge who 
came up against the corruption of in, in the city of Denver, Colorado, but he said it's in every city everywhere. And I mean, he couldn't believe it. Um, what was going on with various things <laughs> anyway. And, and if you come against it, it'll do everything to destroy you. It's, he could have been a millionaire. They bribed him. They did everything they could to shut him up. But because he was such an up and up um, honest man, he wouldn't, wouldn't be bribed. And he, I guess he made a lot of laws to change all this corruption that was going on, including things that we know about now, sex trafficking and all of this sort of thing. This is what the beast feeds on. Um, so I haven't had the heart to read the whole book, but I've read various parts of it. And it 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 was written in, I think, 1906 or something early on. So this has been going on forever and a day. And it is being exposed now, the beast, to be destroyed. Because once you see it, you know what it is, and it will destroy itself as, as we do this work, which is most important. And also, and this is very important, um, in defense of Mary Baker Eddy and her remnant seed by Paul Smiley, some of you might know this book you should all have it and you should all be familiar with it but he writes something interesting on page four the red dragon sinks seeks to devour us with deception the following is seven again seven specific suggestions of the red dragon it would uh, it's about mrs eddy it would take her crown and place it symbolically upon its own arguments its seven heads these arguments counterfact the seven synonyms of God. One, Mary Baker Eddy is not the revelator. Accordingly, she is not the leader. Two, Mrs. Eddy did not fulfill Bible, Bible prophecy. Three, the human consciousness, the second degree, is not God bestowed. Hence, God doesn't know Mrs. Eddy. Four, anyone could have discovered Christian science and written science and health. Mrs. Eddy was no better than you or I. Five, to love and actively support Mrs. Eddy is personal personality worship and deification based in emotionalism. Six, Mary Baker Eddy made many mistakes. That's the Robert Peel books. Seven, Mrs. Eddy is irre irrelevant. All we need is the pure science. That's a good one, that last one. I've heard that all my life. You have? Yes. Mm. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah, wow. And then it said, Mrs. Eddy says, although presenting the exact opposite of truth, the lie claims to be truth. And it was um, not against evil, but against knowing evil that God forewarned. So this is very interesting because this is a lot of what we are dealing with in the, in the Christian science movement. And as we have mentioned before in the Communist Manifesto, one of the things they tell us that they want to destroy and get rid of, they name it by name, First Church of Christ Scientist. Because they know a real working Christian scientist cannot what? Not hypnotized. Thank you. Cannot be hypnotized.
If you're not a working Christian scientist, you are very easily hypnotized. But if you're working, you cannot be hypnotized. And this whole thing, all that we're talking about is um, what? Smokes and smoke and smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> smoke and mirrors. Yeah, it's all illusion. It's all illusion. Um, so. Yeah, these these events in Revelation are not necessarily, you know, human events on Earth. These events are taking place in our consciousness. If you are a working Christian scientist, you will see these events taking place in your consciousness. You will see the resistance to the truth. And you will learn through science how to overcome each one. And as we as as we overcome them individually, we can also overcome them in our community, in our church, nationally. I mean, there there is a hope here. There is a great hope for all mankind. Thank you. Thank you. Because that makes it all doable. If you think that you, you know, like we're Don Quixote out to battle the windmills. (laughs) No, it is in our own consciousness. That's where the dominion is, is, as Kratzer says. So, Mm -hmm. so in that dominion, we, we can destroy these, these beliefs and they are beliefs. They're not truth. They're not understanding. They are false beliefs that have been turned into a mortal mind laws. Now, in Smiley, on page nine, he says, in Watches, Prayers, and Arguments, compiled by Carp- Gilbert Carpenter, is an account of a, an adverse argument read by Mrs. Eddy in the mind of Richard Kennedy, the first person to pervert Christian science and mentally manipulate and assassinate. Quote, I never leave a scientist after I've separated them from Mrs. Eddy until I have taken off the damned Christianity out of them. And when I succeed in making them hate her, then I can take all the Christian science out of them. This way, I calculate I can stop the cause. It is hatred of our, and that's the end of the quote, it is hatred of our leader that has stopped healing. And he brings out again, once we, once we meet that hatred of our leader, we will have more healing again. Um, so these are things maybe hard to hear, but things Christian scientists need to know. You can't be ignorant to these things. Otherwise, the heiress has a heyday. You don't even know. As I said, after I read the Peel books, I had a, a bad feeling about Mrs. Eddy. She seemed kind of weird to me. Um, and that's the intent to get you to doubt her, to get you to think, oh, well, she was just some lady. And as as was said, and Tom conferred that, well, all you need is a science. You don't need Mrs. Eddy. Well, not according to any of this. He also tells of an interesting story here about Bliss Knapp. This nap experience related here shows the results of this claim of original sin, the Adamic thought operating in the movement over half a century ago. He wrote in January 1929, I discerned mentally the gathering opposition to Mrs. Eddy. At that time, he was in Germany. 
So I wrote the board of directors asking them to have retrospection and introspection translated into the same six languages into which rudimental divine science and no one yes had been translated because already in Germany, a play and two books were ready to be launched against Mrs. Eddy. When I reached home, I learned that the directors had granted my request and I had turned the work over to Mr. Harry Hunt, the publisher of Mrs. Eddy's writings. From that time, I kept in touch with Mr. Hunt. And after two years, I began to discover a great opposition to those translations expressed in all sorts of blockades and interferences. One day, Mr. Hunt confessed to me there was apparently more opposition to Mrs. Eddy's own statement about herself than to anything else in our movement. But he kept assuring me of progress in spite of the blockades until finally, one of one by one, the translations of retrospection and introspection began to appear. But the German translation, which was the most urgent of all, was the last to appear. And it came out only last September, five and a half years after the work was started. Any student of history can tell you what was going on in Germany at that time, the rise of Nazism and Hitler. Do you remember what he was called? Mein Führer, which means my leader. Mussolini was called El Duce, the leader. But false leadership could have had no power except that it be built upon the latent hatred in mortal mind, the red dragon, of the true leader, Mary Baker Eddy. If Christian scientists had handled this hatred and the mother church had sent retrospection and introspection into Germany when requested by Bliss Knapp, Hitler's rise to power could have been thwarted. But the mother church allowed the hatred for Mrs. Eddy to continue unhandled. World War II was to start very soon. First Europe, then the entire world was encompassed in bloodshed. Do you think it was important to handle the hatred for Mrs. Eddy? Do you think it needs to be handled now? A lie must be met now or plagues, economic collapse, war and invasion will result. It can happen here. Worldwide problems increase because the red dragon's hatred of the woman goes unchecked. Mary Baker Eddy has revealed the signs of Christianity. Male egotism is furious. It cannot gain the heights of demonstration through this science as she did. Does it attack the science? No, it attacks the revelator. It attempts to pull her down, minimize her accomplishments and importance, and thus tries to approximate her luster. The Jewish people, after they rejected our Lord, were destroyed by the Romans. The nation of Judah went into captivity for not listening to Jeremiah and Ezekiel. The Egyptians suffered plagues for resisting Moses. Rejection of Elijah brought drought and famine to the entire nation. We forfeit the influence of divine love as a nation and as a church when we reject God's messenger. Who do you think we are that we can reject God's representative and escape the punishment for this original sin? Whoa. You know, I think that is exactly what today's Bible study is about, because you're talking about the rejection, and when you read uh, Tomlinson, he's talking about the resistance to Christian science. 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. This is exactly, and this is how we bring this these revelations. This is how we bring it home. And I thank God for Paul Smiley. He had the guts to write this stuff and, and to see it so clearly. And Keiston, too. Um, they both were. Mm-hmm. And Smiley's no longer with us, but Keiston is. And This puts in perspective what we've talked a lot about, how an organization is not the same thing as Mary Baker Eddy and her textbook. Two separate things. And we're talking about the story about Kennedy. Kind of illuminates all that. Because he was talking about how he was trying to get people to hate Mary Baker Eddy. Well, what's the result of a lot of the actions of the Christian Science Organization? Um, Because even if you weren't a Christian scientist, if you read some of the horror stories over the years, uh, you would hate this organization. And thereby, if you think Mary Baker Eddy and organization are one and the same thing, Thereby, you would hate Mary Baker Eddy. Yes. Let me read these horror stories. Thank you. Because they're one and the same, right? They are. But they're not. No. The organization of Mary Baker Eddy are separate. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you very much. And when you read, when you read the autobiographies of Mary Baker Eddy, I mean the biographies. I'm sorry. Um, you see, from the time when she was in the, her mother's womb. From the time she was a little child, she had this healing ability. She didn't know it. She didn't understand it, but she was always dedicated to God. And you see through these books, these wonderful books, that God guided her and governed her. And that is the respect and admiration and gratitude we have for her. Thank you. And that's why the, you know, it was in the Herbert Rieke Association address to read a biography, a good biography, an accurate biography of her at least once a year. And all of you as working Christian scientists should be doing this. You do in life what you really want to do. Mrs. Evans' mother used to say, you make time for this, even if it's just a paragraph every day or something. But it's very, very important. You know who she was and the facts. This is why, as I said before, we're going to flood the Internet with the truth of Mrs. Eddy. We already have spiritual footsteps out, up, out in audio. And now um, Bruce is doing The Healer by Mr. Keiston. And there are a lot of them we cannot do because guess who has a copyright to these? But so, which means we probably will do the Greco book, even as long and as big and, and everything as it is. Read something from the Crackle book. I, I just found it. And uh, she wrote these books because she didn't want another. She says, must we have another thousand years of dark ages before Mrs. Eddy's presentation of God's motherhood is accepted? She talked about the thousand years of dark ages after Jesus. And and she wrote this. She says, these pages are intended to show the life of Mary Baker Eddy as it is and show the world the truth about God's chosen witness the discover and founder of Christian science. So Greco's whole motivation was to make sure that we knew who she truly was as the woman of apocalypse. Thank you. And I just thought it was an interesting that we picked her. And and the more I find out about the author of this book, the more I appreciate her. Um, Yes. And and we shouldn't shy away from this because you know, there's so much other negative stuff out. 
and it's gotten to the point of what do we have to lose? Seriously, what do we have to lose? And Tom is very knowledgeable about all this. He went through Principia and now he knows all these people who went through Principia and they're no longer Christian scientists, right? They And they know nothing. Most of them are not. Most of them are not. They don't know anything about what's going on. They don't have a clue and they've rejected the organization. And that's why what he says is very knowledgeable because he knows firsthand. This is really true. Go ahead. Can I say something? Yes. Yeah, this is really true. Uh, I noticed when I was working, when I have been working through some struggles with friendships and promises and disappointments, that I started to put away books like Jillian Gill's book on Mary Baker Eddy. And I looked at Doris Greco and um, Alice Organ, I think her name is. And I started to realize that there has been a conspiracy for us not, not to see Mary Baker Eddy as she is. And it has uh, really a, a, a very a twisted uh, patriarchal tint to it because her work is, uh, you know, she did this with unconditional love. She was a scribe under orders, and we have to take up that as well. Thank you very much, Zary. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say what Dale mentioned about even in infancy and childhood, the things that happened with Mary Baker Eddy proves she is the woman of the apocalypse. This proves that she was prophesied. It proves her position. And the whole idea of just teaching the science but excluding her is is wrong if it's impossible it's impossible and it devolves into this thing where people call themselves christian scientists fail and then are no longer christian scientists because they supposedly what learn the science but without her and not by her you cannot separate science from her it's become so clear to me yeah to go along with that she even knew this when they were not healing when she was still with us, I think it was Chicago. Yeah. She Chicago. said to them, you have to love me more. And they did. They they woke up and then the healing all, it all blossomed again. Yes. And this is why we're so grateful for Carpenter, who gives what it was like to be in her home so we can emulate that as a model. Um, how she lived and and instead of shying away and thinking oh she was a grouch and you know people won't understand no he explains exactly she was definitely not a grouch if anything she would rebuke an error that didn't make she that mean she was a, a grouch and these are things we need to learn to do as well to carry on the pure science which has been lost to the world due to neglect and laziness and uh, greed and power, a lot of different things. And Jeremy, what is that story you tell about separating Mrs. Eddy from? You know, was it what, what we heard at Chestnut Hill? Oh, that's right, yes. The um, the lady that gave us the tour, uh, Chestnut Hill, who was the director of Long Year, she had told us that um, Calvin Fry had to speak to Adam Dickey and William Rathbun that what was, you know, from what he had learned that what was good for the cause of Christian science and what was good for Mrs. Eddy is the exact same thing always. And for, for Dickey and Rathbun to act like 
you could take Mrs. Eddie out of it and it wouldn't matter was completely ridiculous. And I had been thinking about how, you know, we, we started, we talked a little bit about being not being intellectual. And then he spoke about hypnotism. And I was remembering when I was in high school, a, a hypnotist came in to give like a lecture or whatever during a psychology class. And he said, the number one thing is um, you have to be intelligent to be uh, hypnotized. And to, to see the kids, like I, I grew up, I grew up, I was taught that I was not smart, so I wasn't really worried about it. But every other kid was like tripping over themselves to be the first to be hypnotized. <laughs> so I think the thought of taking Mrs. Eddie out of it and making it intellectual, it's obvious that they're going to be hypnotized. Yes, yes, yes. Hypnotism, well, intellectuality is a belief in the human mind. And those are the ones that can be hypnotized the most easily. So those in all these grandiose universities and things who are so proud of their human intellect, they are the ones most easily um, hypnotized. And guess what? Many of them are in our positions of government and and medicine and everywhere. And, and you can look back in, in history to see this because a lot of the people that consider themselves to be intellectually smart and everything were the ones that were Nazi sympathizers. Yes, <laughs> so. that's right. And they, you know, and they have this broad sense of everything. And um, um, yeah, did you want to say something? Well, they're the ones that are first to get offended when truth is spoken and to resist it too. Yes, and you can see easily in the chosen, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are all dressed up and all pride of their intellect and all that right. they know. And they're, yeah, they jump all over Jesus every time, every time. They're wrong, 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 every time. Telling and, Nic Nicodemus that his words were luminous and will be remembered for generations. <laughs> you know, that kind of. Right, right. That kind of, thing. That kind of pride. Yeah. Um, and then also in the healer, it talks about the cabal. I don't know if you all remember the cabal, right? And Mrs. Eddie was still here. Mm -hmm. And it was her trusted workers in her home at Chestnut Hill. Do you remember it, Jeremy? That she wrote it would be a cabal of mental assassins. Yes. And what were they planning? Do you remember, Bruce? Well, their planning was to change the manual. They weren't yeah. just planning. They were actively at work. They, were, they, were doing it. they actually did it. They yeah, just yeah. couldn't print it until she passed away. Yeah, yeah that's right. So, and then talk about some active malpractice to be on her. You know? Well, and they said they were going to tell her if she didn't, they were going to put her away or something really atrocious. I wish I knew exactly. I think that's what it was. This yeah, is they, turned, they turned into the next friends. <laughs> yes, they did. And it was only because of Judge Hannah who right. said, no, no, you know, if you don't tell Mrs. Eddie this plot, I will, that it got stopped there. But I think eventually Mrs. Eddie just felt, well, I've done all I can now, and it's up to future generations yeah. to pick up the work because she had. I mean, this is going on in Chestnut Hill, um, and I think it's partly why she never wanted to leave Pleasantview. Um, so you said the students were going to have to learn. They were going to have to learn that she had handled animal magnetism 40 years. Her hands, she said, look at my hands. And now it's up to the students. Well, you know, actually, Chestnut Hill is uh, more of a modern day example. The physical manifestation of trying to remove Mary Baker Eddy in a way. OK, is when they sold when the church sold Chestnut Hill, they were 
Now, remember, this house has been the way it was since Mary Bigaretti passed away, as it always was, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they removed the entire contents from Chestnut Hill. That is correct. Why? It boggles my mind. They had to remove them all from Chestnut Hill. Make reproductions. Where does the the sense of removing Mary Bigaretti to put her away? Well, it's the stu- it's the wickedness, stupidity, and wickedness of the human mind. Because the human mind first is stupid, and then it resists the truth, so it becomes a murderer. Yeah, that's it. And and you know, I love what um, Smiley said in those list of the seven heads, because any time you would protest any of this. Then you were accused of of uh, to love and actively support Mrs. Eddy's personality as worship and deification based on emotionalism. Heaven forbid! So that shut everybody up who was opposing all opposing of the burning down of Pleasant View, who opposed any of this. Oh, you're deifying her. It's terrible. Mrs. Eddy said you're not to do that. That was a load of BS specifically designed to shut people up and it did a pretty good job of it yes it did well and that's what all the excommunication was all about i mean the best workers almost all of the best workers after mrs eddie passed away were excommunicated from the church Almost all of them. McNeil Young was not because he was so popular that they knew that there would be a major uprising against them if they excommunicated him. <laughs> but they excommunicated just about everybody else that was worth anything. And yeah, there was a great deep division and rift. Of course, yeah, the great litigation in the twenties. So, um, so the remnant though has always been around and and. Uh, by the grace of God, our church survived all this to now the present day that we're in. It's been very quiet outside there. <laughs> Anyone want to say anything? And also Wednesday night was very quiet. Do not let your gratitude wane. All right. We have a lot to be grateful for. There should be a long lineup of gratitude on Wednesday night. So who would like to speak? from? <laughs> Other than the Plainfield and Big Apple, <laughs> right. and, and Dale, Dale, and Dale, Dale, Dale and Zary. Hello, is anybody there? <laughs> Start naming some names, Sharon. Who's there? Betty. Betty. I'm here. Who's that? I'm here, Zary. What is here? Okay, Zary. Do you want to say anything else? I just wanted to say that I'm so grateful that this was revealed today uh, because this is the, the fight that we have. And I think that uh, when we look at the love that we do get from her work and also that she had to be firm with people, she started out being very kind and understanding. And then she realized she had to go for spiritual truth, which was a bit firmer. And uh, she also had to contend with some of her students who thought they could make it easy. We see this all over, people trying to make Christian science blind. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's one of the really good parts about reading the biographies is 
as we are learning Christian science, we encounter things. And then when you read the biography, you realize she already encountered it and overcame it. You know, we didn't need to find our own way through it. <laughs> she was already getting all this opposition. And that's, yes. Right. And that's why we have to know her life. Yeah. For our, it's for our own benefit that we have to know as much as we can about what she, who she was and what she did. Because she overcame everything. She proved in her own life every word that she wrote down in our textbook. So Betty's had three minutes to figure out what she's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really love reading Smiley. I'm not quite done with it. But he brings out a lot of stuff that I wasn't aware of about how the church was um, against her and so forth. And um, there's a real interesting question and answer thing in the back of the book that is just illuminating, I think. And it covers a lot of territory. Um, one of the other things that I really liked about this vision was that um, in Tomlinson, and I, I didn't read all of Kratzer, but in Tomlinson, they talk about it's the resistance. And I think Gary mentioned that it's the resistance that's the plague. And when you resist, you experience suffering. And um, so that is a really um, important thing to be aware of is that any kind of resistance is you're, you're resisting the truth. Thank you. What did you want to say about resistance? <laughs> oh, non-resistance to truth is understanding. That was from Laura Sargent. Oh. Mm. Huh. <clears throat> is Karen here today? No. Yeah, we don't have Karen and Florence couldn't come either. So, well, you um, know, this resistance is an element more of mine. Where Gary said is basically stupid. It's like that little girl that I read from the beginning who shouted out, "I hate you." She probably didn't even know it was animating her, but she, you know, didn't you know. Like, you got to handle animal magnetism, but you also got to stay out of the human mind, which is an opponent to all this thing. That's it. If you're in the human mind, you're going to resist. You're going to hate. It's a, it's a, you won't be grateful. That's a, an indication you're not in the right mind when you're not grateful. All of those things. And you've got to rouse yourself to get out of that deadened sense. Because in th those states, you're easily mesmerized. And if you don't think um, air is not walking to and fro, seeing who, can, who it can <laughs> devour. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, since this is a Bible study, I wanted to mention a book that I found here at the cottage when I arrived. It's the uh, King James Study Bible. Um, I bought a copy of it many years ago. I'm a firm believer understanding the Bible, obviously. Right? We have the Bible study. And that a good study Bible is a good thing to have. Um, so, anyway, I was looking at this, and I wanted to point out something. Um, so. It may be good to have a Bible study because it's 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 good to have someone who's dug in there and tries to explain what's there in the Bible and, and just kind of enrich your understanding, right? But you also have to be a little careful. So in the Bible study, it talks about uh, the plagues, 
and it says the plagues are God's punishment of sinners during the tribulation. And that's a thought that you're going to hear with Christians quite a bit, that if you're going through the plagues, you're going through terrible times, all this sort of stuff, this is God's punishment. Now, I'm sure Christian science doesn't teach that, does it? No. We're not. No, we, 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 no. we know that God doesn't punish. Mm-hmm. We know that truth destroys error. But sin, sin is its own punishment, quote Mary Baker Eddy. Yeah. Error, yeah. the destruction of error is its own destruction. And uh, science and health and the revelation are what Mrs. Eddy says is the words are wise so often. If I knew that the devil was coming, I'd be more prepared to stand up and destroy it than if I didn't. And I could grieve for I'd rather know that I had something to watch against than to be walking around ignorantly and getting holes shot through me. Thank you, Craig. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and you know, we, we as, as Christian scientists, we need to remember that this is not personal. This is the human mind. The human mind believes that matter is our substance and there is a limited supply of it. Therefore, there isn't enough good to go around. That is the basic premise of human, incorrect human thinking. Because when there's not enough to go around, if you believe that, then you don't mind harming others to benefit yourself. And so the human mind thinks of at least seven different plagues <laughs> to harm others. There's a lot of different ways that the human mind is willing to harm others to, it thinks, benefit itself. So that is what these plagues are all about. That is what resistance to the truth is all about. It's just the human false human beliefs being threatened, not willing to give up their belief in limited good. And um, the Revelation 17 was was mainly the uh, belief of religious systems failing with the Babylonian woman destroying, infiltrating, as I first said, getting into these areas to destroy and take down uh and then the second one was more of the uh the marketplace the the government she gets into all of those things to destroy and bring down and you have that quote from clarence chadwick about false systems yeah in the um 1905 journal, there's an article by Clarence Chadwick, and one of the statements in that article that I uh, found, uh, he says, and I quote, we can truly welcome the failures of all false systems to bring health and harmony to earth. For these very failures can teach but one lesson, and that is, that the only real help comes from God. 
end quote. So this is why we rejoice. We can rejoice as Christian scientists because, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Tom's giving us thumbs up. (laughs) Today's topic. Today's topic, rejoice. So this is why we rejoice for those reasons, because these false systems have to fail. They're deeply entrenched, so it's taking a while to knock them all down, but it's going on. It's happening. We just support it with our prayers. And I thought this was interesting. This was from a commentary. Um, It's quoting Revelation, for by your sorcery, all nations were deceived. And then it says, sorcery is a Greek word for pharmakia, which means to prepare drugs. The lure of commercial Babylon is like a drug addiction fed by deceptive advertising. Wow, I thought that was very interesting. And I know a while ago, uh, Parthens in Colorado sent me an article all about this, that sorcery equals pharmaceutical <laughs> companies and drugs. Uh, just as we learned in a, in a previous uh, revelation that the whole start of Materia Medica began with um, rich witchcraft and the, the sign of the serpent because they were departing from the original teachings of Jesus, weren't they? You were healed through God and God alone. So they departed from that and started this big Materia Medica. Again, the Babylonish woman, the era infiltrating every aspect of so-called human existence. And so, and as far as the religion because it has, we know it has infiltrated the church, right? All churches. This is very interesting again from Smiley. He says, or this is a quote, Christian science is susceptible of being made the repository for all the sins of the other two religions, Catholicism and Protestantism. In marked face and form, whereby the most aggravated and exaggerated and and liberated powers of evil evil have full sway. The woman has cast into these three measures of iniquity the leaven that is fermenting them. Therefore, they, inherent in mortal mind, take vengeance on their destroyer. Alas, for the masquerade of their friendship and their gratitude, of their honesty, of their virtue, and especially of their humanity towards this woman. Woman, Does one human heart love her? No, it is all a farce. The carnal mind hates her and deserts her, lies about her, steals from her. New age. Mocks her, betrays her, nails her to the cross and spits on her face, saying, come down from the cross. Then parts her seamless robe that has not one ridge of the three religions, Catholicism, Protestantism, and Christian science. As interpreted by this trio of era and casts lots for it, rendering it into rags, it picks up the shorn glory and decks itself therewith in harlequin jacket. Not one of these three religions misused is the rock, on which Christ's truth holds the church against which the gates of hell cannot prevail. 
and the last one is named the final one. Therefore, it holds the most relentless war against the woman. What was the last one? Christian Science. And that's from the Red Book, Red Book yeah. page 54. <laughs> so, go ahead. Yeah, this, is, um, this has been very sobering to listen to, and my entire Christian science history with the church has been running through my mind. Um, and I think there's two things. It wasn't until Plainfield that I could understand the human mind versus the divine mind. For some reason, this was always clouded over in my entire Sunday school. I mean, it, it just, I feel that it, that the church was under total confusion, and I came confused to Plainfield. And so I just cannot thank Plainfield enough for the teaching, especially that distinction between the human mind and the divine mind. And my second point that just came to me is right now our our country is having trouble defining womanhood, like what is a woman? And so the fact that we're bringing these biographies of Mary Baker Eddy forward, because certainly she was ahead of her time and she demonstrated the best type of womanhood. I mean, the the ultimate womanhood. And so I think this is a good antidote for the inability for people on the street to know what a woman is um, in our current cultural wars. So anyway, those are my two comments. Thank you very much. And that last one is so excellent. Yes. And this is how we can't get in debates about all this stuff. We just keep presenting the truth. What's true? Keep presenting the true model. What's true? What's true? What's true? And yes, that's a very excellent point. Mrs. Eddy expressing true womanhood. And Smiley often brings out, and it's true, the chauvinistic thought. They, the male thought did not like that. Um, and it, it wars against it. There are many factors in this, but but thank you. Yes, and we know as far as the mortal mind and divine mind, it is good to know. But remember, there's only the one mind. That's the only mind. There is no mortal mind because that's how we have to work. And in doing this work, it is rejoicing. And in staying out of all these false, false beliefs, we are protected and having good and happy lives. As I've said, it, on one side, there will be science and peace. On other side, discord and dismay. So it's no time to be dabbling with the things of materialism. Stay out of it. And, and, and it's no time to listen to the arguments of the so-called human mind because they're all conf it's all confusion. Yeah. Worse confounded. Yes. And that's how and that's this, that's you. why Christian science, you know, Christian science is the only thing that's going to keep our children from being confused about who they are right. and what they are. You just teach them the pure truth and stay out of the arguments and all the confusion. And that's part of the, the whole conspiracy, if you will, to get everybody confused and arguing amongst each other and not knowing who's who or what's what. But we do and we stay clear of it. And that takes work and dedication. 
it's not a convenient thing. Mrs. Evans used to talk about convenient Christian scientists who just pop in occasionally when it was convenient. Oh, yeah, you can do that, and many do, but you will reap, reap that type of thought as well. This isn't a convenient. It, it's, it's a way of life. It's 24-7, and it, it needs to be practiced correctly to embrace that way. And, yes, this was a very sobering um, hour spent, but we will end with Tom telling us to rejoice. Yes. <laughs> the ultimate perfection is that he said yes. cheerfully await. Cheerfully await the ultimate perfection. Keeping crime in check. Yeah, and keeping crime in check. Thank you. And staying up all night to love them. That's right. Love. Staying all up all night, night to love. love. To, to neutralize this with love. Neutralize the hate. All of that with our with our love and our prayers. And thank God we have this. And thank you, Thomas. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank, thank you all. Thank, thank you, Tom. You. Yeah, thank Tom. Thank you, those that joined us today. We appreciate it very much. Yeah. Have a have a. Thank you so much, Mary. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome, Zarek. And we will have all more fun together. We will. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.